Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 127, Understanding the Body Language of the Wild Turkey with Philip Vanderpool. And I am your host and the guy who has hit the wall. So what does that mean? Well, I'm now at that point in the turkey hunting season to where I'm waking up at 4.30, actually a little bit before 4.30, without the alarm clock going off. I have hit the wall, and my body has gotten adjusted to it. Much the same way distance runners hit the wall while they're running, where they experience extreme exhaustion and muscle fatigue before they hit the wall, and then they hit the wall, and all of a sudden it's kind of like a state of euphoria for them. It's a little bit of a high. So I have hit that turkey hunting high. My body's gotten adjusted to its new wake-up time. It's gotten adjusted to... What has been, at times, four hours of sleep a night, and it's ready to rock and roll. And it came none too soon, because we are 32 days, 3 hours, 44 minutes, and 17 seconds away from the end of spring turkey hunting season in Alabama. All right, so I've got a quick gobbling report for you guys from my ears. This is what I'm experiencing right now. We've got kind of a messed up spring going on here in Alabama. What I'm seeing is we've got some birds who kind of act like it's late spring. They've got no hens and they're gobbling pretty good. We've got some birds who are still henned up with 8 and 10 hens. We've got some birds who have hens early in the morning. They'll gobble a few times on the roost, fly down, get quiet, and then they'll start gobbling mid-morning after they lose those hens. So we really kind of seem to have all phases of the breeding cycle going on right now. I think a lot of that probably has to do with the turkey population in the areas that I'm hunting. In those areas that have lots of turkeys, those turkeys still seem to be relatively hinned up. In the areas that don't have lots of turkeys, those turkeys might have one or two hens with them early in the morning. They'll gobble a few times on the roost, fly down, get quiet, and then start gobbling again. Or they have no hens with them, and they fly down and they're gobbling. 
trying to call in a hen. So I'm seeing things kind of all over the place here. If you're hunting already, I'd like to hear from you. And I would like to know what the birds are doing in your area. So email me, andy at iamturkeyhunting.com, and let me know where the birds are in the breeding cycle in your area, what a little quick gobbling report is, and I'll read some of these on upcoming shows. All right. So last Sunday, I got home from hunting, and I walked into my house, went up into the kitchen, and my wife was standing in the kitchen with her arms crossed and all of her weight on one leg. The other leg kind of kicked out to the side with her foot pointed off to the side, and she had a look on her face that just did not scream, I'm so excited to see you. My wife didn't have to say a word to me. I knew something was wrong, and I just assumed it was me. Of course, it wasn't me because I never do anything wrong, and it turns out she was just playing around with me. She didn't have to say anything for me to know that something was wrong. Reading her body language and most other people's body language is relatively simple. Not just for me, but for everyone. We've been doing it our whole lives, and those unspoken words can often and tell others a lot about our mood and our thoughts as well. Well, wild turkeys and pretty much all other animals also have a way of communicating with each other about their moods and their thoughts without vocalizing. Understanding the body language of animals that we hunt can tell us what our next action needs to be and how quickly we need to take that action. All right, so it's time for me to step into the circle of trust here. I understand the body language of white-tailed deer pretty well because I watch a lot of white-tailed deer throughout hunting season, and I have watched a lot of white-tailed deer throughout my whole life. I am pretty sure that I know how comfortable a white-tailed deer is when it's out in a food plot 100 or 150 yards in front of me or that deer's just walking through the woods. And I know these white-tailed deer because of what I just said. I watch a lot of deer during deer season. But if you're like me, then you don't often give wild turkeys a chance to teach you their body language. Because once a wild turkey gobbler gets into range, your mind is in kill mode. I feel like the more I can learn about the body language of a wild turkey, then the more relaxed I can be around them and watching them, and that that will make me a better turkey hunter. I also felt like that in order to learn about their body language, I needed someone who has filmed and watched a lot of wild turkeys over the years. And in February, when I ran into Philip Vanderpool at the National Wild Turkey Convention in Nashville, I knew that he would be a great person to teach me and you guys about understanding the body language of a wild turkey. Now, because I already know what Philip is going to teach us since I interviewed him, I'm going to shut up, play the interview, and let you know what I now know. Here's Philip Vanderpool sharing his knowledge of the body language of the wild turkey, and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am excited to tell you that today I have on the line with me Philip Vanderpool, and Philip is Well, I can't say he is with The Virtue. He is The Virtue TV. And so, of course, he's got other people with him. So, you know, I don't want to sell them short. But I wanted to get Philip on the show today to talk to us about how to understand or how to read the body language of wild turkeys. And this is something that 
I was telling Philip before we started the recording that even though I've killed a bunch of turkeys in my life, I, when I watch these videos on YouTube and when I watch these hunting shows on TV and I see a, a turkey coming into a, a decoy setup or just coming into a setup, period, and I see that gobbler go from being all puffed up and showing off to now he's out of strut and he's standing up and he's got his head up and he might take a step or two. I'm thinking, shoot him. He's about to go. And then all of a sudden, he'll just puff back up and go into strut. So I don't even know how to read the body language of a wild turkey very well. So I'm going to get as much out of this as you guys are. And I feel like Philip's a great person to go over this with us because he has a TV show that they do a lot of turkey hunting on. And so he gets to see this happen not only live and in person, but also they get to watch it back. And so he's got a lot of experience in reading the body language of a turkey. And I'm going to pick his brain to death today to get as much info as I can out of him. And I can tell you that he's got the info and he is ready to share it. Philip, how are you and where are you today? Well, first of all, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. And I tell you, I'm just now leaving Warsaw, Missouri. I just drove from Florida last night. Got to my place in Arkansas about, got in bed about 6.15, got up about 8.15, got about two hours sleep. Wow. Repacked, regrouped, picking up Clint up here. He's regrouping. That's where he lives here in Warsaw, Missouri. And we are headed to Nebraska for the opener archery season. And I don't know, we're going to be pretty late setting blinds up tonight. I'm afraid probably after midnight. Yeah. Well, it can be it can be tough, but it's it's been a good season so far. Been blessed so far, you know. We we went to Florida and Alabama and had awesome success in both states. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know, those of us sitting at home when we watch these turkey hunting shows, we think, boy, I sure would love to do that for a living. That would just be great. But we don't see all the behind the scenes stuff and what it takes to get there, and you know, make make sure that you give yourself the best opportunity for success that you can possibly do and still keeping the camera in mind and your hunter that you're taking with you, if you're taking one in mind and it's a tough go. You have a lot of days where you do just what you did this morning, two hours of sleep well, and you're back at it and moving again. And I do this for three months. You know, we started March 8th and, and have been, and we'll go till through May 31st. So, you know, right. pretty much about a three month, tour across the United States doing it. I did 10 episodes with the virtue, but I'd be lying to you to tell you I don't love what I do. Oh, I'm sure. Because, you you know, find a job that you love to do and you'll never have to work a day in your life. That's true. And that's basically what I've done and I've been able to make a living for 25 plus years in the hunting industry and the good Lord's blessed me. But the thing that I can tell you this is it is long hours and everything. But what I'm trying to do out here, first of all, we run not just one video camera. We run several. Or when I video hunts, I run several cameras because I try to keep it live. And I try to get, like you're talking about, watching the turkeys, understanding the body language, both audio and video. I pick up a lot of audio even. And I can give a lot of folks tips and stuff, easy way to video their hunts. And they never even thought about it. But, right. you know, it's something I can do to, to help out. I've been, like I say, I've been doing it a long time. And 
was with hunter specialties for almost 16 years, but understanding turkeys, and, and let me just say this, I've been around them a lot, but if you ever get turkeys figured out, please let me know. Because just when you think you got them figured out, they're going to pull something on you. <laughs> And where are you out, buddy? I mean, uh, it make you look like a dummy. Absolutely. <laughs> that's one thing I can tell you. Well, but that's what keeps us going out there, isn't it? It's exactly right. Yep, yep. I mean... Predicting the unpredictable. <laughs> no doubt about it. You know, exactly. it, it makes it fun. I, there's no question. If, if we knew yep. exactly what those birds were thinking all the time, there'd be no reason to hunt them. So it wouldn't be any fun. Yeah, there you go. All right, so... Philip, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. You know, uh, born and raised there in the Ozark Mountains there uh, in northwest Arkansas. And really, I guess north central, just about 30, 40 miles south of Branson, Missouri. And okay. that's really where I started my turkey hunting in the Ozarks there at a young age. And I learned how to turkey hunt from... An old Alabama boy himself, Ben Rogers Lee. He used right. to make those little cassettes, and, and that's what I listened to, and that's how I learned to turkey hunt is from those little cassettes that Ben had. And that? later on, I got to meet him at Bass Pro there in Springfield, Missouri, and we became good friends and stayed in contact, and I'd always come up and see him when he would be in our neck of the woods, and he hunted with a good friend of mine, Steve Cavender, down there close to home. and Anyhow... That's how I started turkey hunting is, is learning how through the cassettes and, of course, through trial and error. Believe oh, me, yeah. there was a bunch of that, you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. but uh, being an avid hunter at a young age, you know, I mean, deer hunting and stuff and squirrel hunting and coon hunting and everything else, uh, turkey hunting seemed, it came to me pretty easy, and there wasn't a lot of people at turkey hunting when I first got into it. And right. so, I mean, I had a lot of success early. Oh, there again, I listened to those tapes over and over and over, and, and I, I wasn't around anybody when I first started turkey hunting. I wasn't around anybody. I, I went in at the local whole sporting goods there, and, and they knew a little bit about it, you know, but mm-hmm. everybody was real secretive about turkey hunting. I oh, don't yeah. know. I mean, it was like, well, you just couldn't get much out of anybody around that close to home. Sure. So, you know, it, it started out, but... I, I, you know, getting around, getting out there and, and learning the turkey call. And, and, and I'll never forget, you know, when, when I first, especially my first big gobbler. I mean, I used the Ben Lee calls, obviously, and that was what I was using. Use his little tone trough and his mouth calls. And, and then I used the Lynch, Lynch box call, you know, there's uh, right. the old double sided, uh, and then that had the foolproof box call and stuff. And that's, that's what I started out with. And just playing with those a little bit and, uh, you know, got, got lucky right off the bat my first year and, and shot my first long beard. It was, it was quite an experience. Yeah. Um, now my first, my first turkey obviously was a Jake and, um, didn't do a whole lot. I actually called the whole flock in, uh, the, the hens, it seemed like the turkeys were very vocal and I was on public land. I mean, I had to do all this on public land, but that's, that's basically how I got started and I just stayed with it. But, you know, now everything is is out there. I mean, it's so much easier for somebody to get into turkey hunting now than it was back in when I did it. Right. We, obviously, we didn't have decoys. We didn't have all the modern technology that we've got now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, uh, it's uh, it's came a long way, and so was the turkey calls. But the oh, turkeys absolutely. have evolved, and, you know, 
as as we have, I think, on the educational part. I can remember when you took a Featherflex decoy and set one out, and I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. I've got some old footage on VHS dates. It's just mind-boggling where I'm actually walking up because I had to get to work, and I, I would play with these turkeys and, and everything. I'd call them up, and, and, and that's how I learned. I mean, obviously, everybody gets upset because you're calling turkeys in before season. But I, I was doing some of that just because I was trying to get myself educated to find out what was working, what wasn't. Right. And that Featherflex decoy come out, that changed the whole ball game. I got, like I say, I've got footage walking up with the video camera in my hand and walking up, and the turkey almost let me get right up to them. They were so wound up, and they'd been there for 30, 40 minutes on the decoy. And and <laughs> me walking up there, and this is, like I say, out in the middle of nowhere on public land. It's crazy. Right, yeah. That wouldn't happen today, but, uh, would it? No, sir. No, mm. sir. It's it's. I say the turkeys, have, I don't know why and how, but they have evolved with us. Uh, and they and absolutely the have. Process. Yep. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. So it's a good thing that they exactly. did evolve. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, you know, in the intro, like I said, you get to watch a lot of turkeys. And a lot of that has to do with what you told me when we were talking the first time on the phone. And that is, if we don't have the footage we want, we don't shoot. And so yep. that tells me that there's a lot of watching going on and a lot of reading turkeys and you're exactly right yeah you learn to read their body language yeah and and you know as i was saying in the intro to the show that i misread it still more often than not when i'm watching these shows i'll see that gobbler stick his head up and i'll think you better shoot him he's about to run and he'll puff back up and go back into strut so you know i'm i'm wanting to learn a little bit about this too but something that that i have picked up on over the years is what I think is the easiest or one of the easiest things for us to be able to read on a gobbler, and that is the color of his head, neck, and wattles. So can we talk a little bit about that first and talk about what those different colors that you see on the turkey's wattles and and his head and neck mean to you when when he's coming in? Obviously, the first thing, if he's got that snood pulled in, He's probably looking, and he's more cautious when he's got that snood pulled in. Now, if he's got that relaxed, and that's hanging off the side of his bill, you're okay. When okay. he's coming in like that, and then when you're seeing that red, white, blue, and that real red, he's excited. Basically, I mean, it's that time of year, and uh, he's sexually excited as he's right. coming in. But when you see that head lose that color, and it turns white all the way down the neck, that's when he's the most sexually excited, mm-hmm. when it's almost a solid white with those waddles and stuff as he's coming in. Now, I'll tell you what, probably more than anything in the world, a, a clue that if if a turkey comes in and he's really, oh, I mean, he's alert, he's looking, you know, and uh, maybe you've got decoys, maybe you don't have decoys, but in a situation where you're watching him, if you see him fold that wing, he had tucked one wing and then tuck his wing. That's when probably to be ready. Nine times out of ten, he's going to turn and walk away. Right. Or run off, one of the two. And if he clucks, obviously, or putts, he's something, you know, something probably is a little out of place. I have sometimes seen gobblers, what we call gobbler 
putts or clucks, and he's doing that to a hen, and he may still be slightly fanned out or, you know, his head still be red and that snood hanging down. The snood tells me everything because when he draws that up, he's not in the mood for nothing. He's really cautious, uh, you know, and looking as much as anything. But watch those colors because when you see that red color, and I'll give you an example. Yesterday, no, not yesterday, that poor yesterday in Florida. I'm calling. It's late afternoon. It's hot. We're sitting there. I've got the decoy set up. I've got a, a kid actually running the big camera, and I'm running about three, four. I'm running four cameras myself on myself on decoys, mm-hmm. uh, everything. But I call. This gobbler never says a word. It's 530 in the afternoon. I'm looking. This thing is running, running right into us. And what he does, I mean, his head is just blood red, red, white, and blue. I mean, the colors are just beautiful. Right. And he's coming through there. That's the first thing I spotted. And I tell the boy, get ready. Well, he comes running in there. But we've got brush between him and I. We're in a little opening to decoys, but we're in brush there. And that doggone thing, when he pulled up, he stops. He pulls that head back. And I, t- I can't tell you whether he's seen me because I was hunting with a crossbow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know whether he saw me or just didn't like the decoy. But I will say this. A lot of times they don't, especially in the South, they don't like decoys in situation. I don't like to use them in, in the woods if it's very thick. If, if, if they see them all of a sudden, I don't know why, but a lot of times it seems like it'll spook them. As long as you've got it out in the open, the visibility is everything. Let them size it up. I'd lot rather have it in more of an open area if I can. The, the, the problem was the way he came in, there was brush all the way up to it, and then that decoy was like three yards from it. And boom, he sees that. He takes off at a dead run. Never putts, never clucks. I never saw the, the color of the head leave him, but <laughs> didn't take him long to get gone. So, you know, right. I'm just trying to use a classic example there. Sometimes they don't gobble, especially down in the south. They just come slipping in. And I don't, I like to hear them gobble, but a lot of times they don't. And that was in Florida. Right. But, yeah. But just a perfect example of different things that they do. They don't always, but most of the time, if they see something, they're going to clutter, cluck or putt and before they're headed out, you know, they'll, and then they're gone, you know, mm-hmm. so you have to be ready. But as long, and the thing I see a lot is when that turkey's coming in, just, just have patience. The, the main thing about a turkey, you can get away a lot with, with something. If you're, say you're caught off guard because it's hot, maybe you got your gloves and your face mask down. You may get away with that if, as long as he don't see movement. I'm telling you, movement is everything with a turkey. They catch right. anything. That's where it has to be so careful. And then, and and they can change their body language so fast, as you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can change so fast. But the main the main thing, videoing over the years, watching turkeys and stuff, and I do it, you know, to inform, educate, and entertain, you know, for the for the footage, but have patience. I know sometimes it's hard because your heart's beating one out of your chest when that son comes out there and he's, you know, coming in, you're seeing him and you're trying to watch him and boy, that old, you know, you're breathing hard, your mouth gets dry and you're afraid to make a call just because your mouth's dry, especially with a mouth call, you know, right. you can't hardly do it with your hand. If once you, once you see him, chances are he can see you if you move. So right. you got to be careful on that. So, yeah. Uh, but the main thing is, if you see a turkey coming in and he tucks those wings and that head comes up and you see that snoot come in, drawing in, 
nine times out of ten, he's seen something. But okay. uh, there again, you know, you can be patient. You may, he may still not just run completely off. He it, maybe he just is a little cautious. You don't know whether he didn't like something about the decoy or setup. Maybe he's just a subdominant turkey been whipped off, and he's just not maybe strutting all the way or whatever, but he's just leery. The hand's not coming to him. He's like, well, I don't know if I want to get in any closer. He may be right around the corner and whip, whip me when I come around there, you know? Right, yeah. It's just body language, watching the body language, you know, because usually when turkeys come in, most of the time when you're calling to them, even if they're not in full strut, I do try to watch that head. And like you said, that red really pops out and that white around the crusty, part of the top of his head and then mm-hmm. the blue on the side under the eyes and stuff, most of the time you're in pretty good shape. But the snood will tell you everything, because I can tell you right now, he can go from that thing hanging plumb down past his beak there, you know, and just all of a sudden it draw up. When you see that draw up, I can just tell you right now, he's, he's probably fixing the leak. Okay. So the snood knows, huh? <laughs> the snood knows is exactly... It's it's a big part of of the turkey, you know. They're, they're, you know, watching what they're doing and yeah. tucking them wings. If if he comes, you know, maybe he's in strut, and then all of a sudden he stands up, stretches that head. Now, if he tucks those wings, usually he'll do one side, then the other, real quick. That's probably telling you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, I have or they will settle back down. You know, they just they're they're just when they tuck them, they're they're just they're ready to either run or fly. Is the bottom line. They're sitting on sick them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So is there any other kind of sign other than that putt and watching that snood draw up and a wing tuck that, that you kind of, a lot of on? times you, you can watch. Okay. Now that just like I was telling you, like that Turkey did uh day before yesterday, when he was coming in, he was walking real fast. Mm-hmm. Stop and say, you, you know, you're having a position and you're trying to let him go behind that tree, and then he stops, and he pulls that head way back, just yeah. be ready, because if he stops, and then all of a sudden he pulls that head back in position to take a second look at what he thought, he just seen some movement or something didn't look at look in place, be ready then, because a lot of times that's it, that's that's when he's going to turn face and run. Okay. He, he saw something out of place, you know. But nowadays, you know, obviously we got blinds and we've got these little, I mean, you can, you know, obviously you got decoys, fans, everybody. I mean, it's amazing what all we've got nowadays to to try to get a turkey in to, to get him, you know. But uh, right. I still love the old-fashioned way. I love the running gun, you know, where you set up with a trio traditionally and, you know, you're walking an old log road and you call and he gobbles out there and you set up and then call him in is my very, very favorite way and, and I love to do it in a timber more than I do in the field. But obviously, in the Midwest, we get most of our footage out here in 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 the more open areas, and and uh, you know people can see it better, you know, for one thing, and they can see right. the decoys. It yeah. is it is about the visibility and the calling. Now, if you'll notice another thing, when you've got decoys, especially eastern turkeys, whether it be the I mean, Osceola, obviously, and the eastern. Normally, when they lock on to the decoy, they see the decoy. You won't, you can't hardly get one to gobble. Then he starts his strutting, right. walking on in. He's locked in on them, uh, spitting and drumming. That's where usually, yep, the spitting yeah. and drumming will take place. But the the gobbling, it is just hard to get him to 
throw a gobble out. Occasionally you will, but for the most part, they'll just walk on in after, you know, after they see that decoy, especially a hen decoy. Right. You yeah. Know, J- Jakes are going to come in more aggressive on, you know, or, or a fanned out gobbler, you know, if you got one for a decoy, obviously. But uh, once they lock in, it's kind of like a deer on a decoy. Most of the time you they lock in, you've got a pretty good opportunity if you'll just stay still, be patient, and wait for your shot. When You know? Yeah. But uh, very seldom when I run a gun, I mean, growing up and stuff, I, I didn't use a decoy a whole lot especially in the timber, but that was one of my very fa- favorite ways was just to, you know, get on a ridge top, you know, no log road, it'll go and go and go. And, and then, of course, I was in that mountainous terrain, just walking through there and calling and stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously scratching in the leaves, things like that add, add to it. That's how they got that Florida gobbler in there yesterday morning for Clint was just, Justin was back there just kind of scratching in the leaves. I think that just was enough to settle him down to walk right on in. You know, right. that realism. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. And, and you're right. These turkeys that are east of the Mississippi are are wise. And Yes, sir. You can go west of the Mississippi, and it's like the education yeah. system's not quite as good. But, you know, you can still get duped out there by a turkey, obviously. But it's, they're not uh, like these east of the Mississippi. It's the same thing with predator hunting. You know what? Same thing pretty much with a predator hunting, too. Yeah. Not to change the subject, but I think you just got thicker cover. Alabama, in my opinion, I mean, Mississippi probably can be pretty tough there and, and even Florida, but I think overall, Alabama turkeys, especially in L.A. down there in lower Alabama, I tell you what, them turkeys are something else to get. I mean, they just, it amazes me how they can come through that thick stuff. They've learned and adapted to thick cover is what blows me away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called to. one up the other day, five feet come in behind me, and how he walked through that to get to me, I don't have a clue. Briars and thick stuff, and walked right to me, pinpointed the call. I couldn't do nothing. I was calling up, trying to call it up for a little girl, and we were running and gun. And uh, by golly, he come in, he come right to the call. Instead of coming out in a little opening out there, we didn't have a decoy. Yeah. And instead of walking on out in that opening, he did not. He come straight <laughs> right in behind me. And that fixed up just as crazy. They'll drive you crazy. There's no question about it. Goodness gracious, alive. And you talk about birds east of the Mississippi. When they see a hen, they pretty much stop <laughs> gobbling and they, they go into show-off yeah. mode, and that's what they do. I mean, these Alabama that's birds are notorious for that, and yes. They, yes. they will spit and drum and strut the last 100 yards coming in, and I'll yeah. bring somebody to Alabama to hunt from out of state, and they're like, why'd that bird quit gobbling? He's gone. He's, something's exactly. happened. He's called in a hen, or he's gone, he's gone the other direction. I'm like, no, <laughs> you just sit here and be quiet and watch and listen. So. It's funny you said Alabama. I, I, I've called up several turkeys over the years for other people, outdoor riders, and special needs kids. You know, a lot. I do a lot of that the last mm-hmm. three, four years. I've done a lot of special needs. But I'll tell you right now, you, you may not believe this, but I've never shot a turkey in Alabama. Have you not? I've never shot it once. I've never hunted. I'll be done. I've never hunted Alabama of uh, turkeys or deer. Well, but you've seen your fair share <laughs> of them hit the dirt. I have. Yeah. I mean, I used to run with old Eddie Salter and then run camera for him a lot and stuff, you know, and him and I spent a lot of time out there, but I've never killed a turkey in Alabama. <laughs> I, I knew Eddie wouldn't let you shoot. 
I, I just knew that about him. I've never hunted with him, but I just had a feeling Eddie's going to shoot one out from under you. You've got to watch him. I'm going to tell you right now, right there's a guy that probably understands Alabama turkey as good as anybody uh, there is. Yeah. And, and, and I've learned a lot from Eddie because I've called – you know, these Midwest turkeys out here, and when you start getting out west, I, I do a lot of calling. I mean, it, I don't know that you can call too much to a Marion or, or a Rio, but now Eddie, buddy, now I've learned a lot on his calling techniques and what, knowing when to call and just watching him because, it, you know, those turkeys are a different breed. They just, you can't wear them out with a call. It, you do much of that for two or three, four days in a row, you're you, oh, yeah. you can't hardly get one to gobble. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I, You're right. You have to tiptoe around them. Sure do. And that's why you really have to watch the body language when one's coming in. It's, I mean, you really have to be ready and be patient <laughs> and, and and watch that turkey and, and be careful with your movement because they, if they catch something, they're gone. Right. Yeah. All right. I hope you learned a great deal from that interview like I did, and I hope that it will help you to feel a little more comfortable watching turkeys work into your setup or your decoys. I know it'll make me more comfortable watching them work into my setup as well. Philip, if you're listening to this episode, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and time with us. I appreciate you, and I know our listeners do as well. Okay, now before I let you guys go, I'm going to ask you for three Count them three favors this week. I know I really need to ask you for just one, but the other two favors are so easy and enjoyable that I have confidence in you being able to handle all these tasks this week. All right, number one, if you learned something from today's episode and you haven't already done so, then please leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That is so extremely helpful because it helps people who stumble across the show on iTunes to be able to know whether or not the show's any dang good. So by leaving a review, you are helping new listeners to decide whether or not they want to listen to the show. And by leaving a good review... You're helping a brother out. All right, number two. This one is easy and it's enjoyable. Go to Carbon TV and watch Philip Vanderpool's shows on there. You guys, I can't ask you enough to support the guests on this show who support you by sharing their knowledge with you. It means a great deal. They're giving their time and their knowledge to help you become a better turkey hunter. All right, here's number three. This one is so easy. Be safe in the woods. Many of you will be hitting the woods this coming Saturday, April the 1st, and I need you to be safe out there so you can be sure to come back and listen to next week's episode. Well, and probably more importantly, your family's counting on you to come back home safely as well. So think about it before you do it in the woods. Identify your target before you squeeze the trigger. You can never take a shot back once you squeeze that trigger. Always know what is behind your target before you shoot. I hope you enjoyed the free portion of this episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. In order to continue to bring you the best turkey hunting related content available, we've recently moved to a subscription-based show format. So here's how it works. Each week, we'll continue to bring you awesome content in a free 15 to 30 minute show. But if you want to hear the full episode, 
for this week's show and every week for the next 52 weeks, then you will want to download the Podbean application to your device and subscribe to the Turkey Hunter Podcast premium content. The cost for the subscription is only $12 a year, basically a dollar a month, and a dollar from each subscription will be donated to the NWTF to help support the organization that is helping wild turkeys and helping those of us who love to hunt them. Again, the application that you need to download in order to subscribe to the premium content for the Turkey Hunter podcast is Podbean. That is P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Podbean. That's it. That's all that I have for you guys this week. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye.